I would just advise people just to follow their dreams. You know? They can come true. I'm living proof. Anna Nicole Smith spent the last days of her life drifting in and out of consciousness in a room at the Hard Rock Hotel in Seminole, Florida, too weak to walk, sit up, or drink from anything other than a baby bottle. On February 5, 2007, Smith had checked into the Hard Rock with three companions, her former lawyer and romantic partner, Howard K. Stern, her psychiatrist, Christine Orosevich, and her physician, Sandeep Kapoor. Her five-month-old daughter, Denny Lynn, was in the Bahamas in the care of a nanny. According to the receptionist who greeted the group, Smith, a frequent guest well-known to the hotel staff, had to be propped up by Stern just to stay on her feet. Orosevich told the receptionist Smith had the flu and asked for a doctor to be called to the room. But Stern later canceled the doctor, and the trio instead plied Smith with drugs that kept her listless, including a powerful sedative called chloral hydrate. Over the next two days, Smith's condition worsened. Her temperature eventually spiked to 105 degrees before antibiotics brought it back under control. She continued to take chloral hydrate, as well as muscle relaxants and multiple medications for anxiety and weight loss. Then on the morning of February 8th, Stern left a sick and sleeping Smith in bed so he could finalize his purchase of a yacht. Now alone in the room, Smith awoke and took her final dose of chloral hydrate and passed away in her sleep. The medical examiner later found that Anna Nicole Smith had died from an accidental overdose of chloral hydrate that became lethal when mixed with up to a dozen other prescription medications a fitting yet heartbreaking encapsulation of a life lived in the grip of addiction. Anna Nicole Smith was 39 years old. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. This is Last Days, Anna Nicole Smith. Anna Nicole Smith's rise to fame is really one of the most improbable stories in Hollywood history. She was born Vicki Lynn Hogan in Mejia, Texas, to a father she never met and an abusive mother. She grew up dirt poor, dropped out of school when she was 14, got married at 16, and gave birth to a son, Daniel, at 17. For all the world, she seemed destined to continue her family's cycle of abject poverty. Vicky, as she was known back then, found work wherever she could. She bussed tables at Red Lobster, stocked shelves at Walmart, and took orders at a fried chicken restaurant before eventually beginning to strip at various gentlemen's clubs. Her buxom figure was out of fashion for the moment, and she couldn't find work at high-end places. She was told she was too, quote, plump to work at the famous Rick's Strip Club in Houston. So instead, she started dancing at a seedier joint called Gigi's Cabaret in the northwest suburbs. But on a random October afternoon in 1991, CD was exactly what an 86-year-old wheelchair-bound Texas oil tycoon by the name of J. Howard Marshall went looking for. Marshall would later say he fell madly in love with the voluptuous Vicky the moment he saw her. He first asked her to marry him a week later, though Smith refused at the time. Marshall was a legend of the Texas oil industry. Jason, this guy was accustomed to achieving whatever he set out to achieve. He was originally a child prodigy. He was named assistant dean of the Yale Law School at just age 26. Let's stop on that for a minute. Yale Law School has been one of the best law schools in the world for a long time, and it has the greatest deans. You can get talent from wherever it wants, and it always has been. At 26 years old. Which means the youngest you can graduate from law school is 25, basically. Right. If so, you go straight from so college he, to law school, you're he 25. He graduated from graduate. there, and they immediately knew that they had a prodigious talent, and so they kept him around and made him an assistant dean at 26 years old. Un- Unheard of. Unheard of. Unheard of. Really unprecedented. And, and really, you don't see that even in this day and age. The, the yes. deans are much older than that. 
And he was special counsel to the president of Standard Oil, the famous Rockefeller company from back in the day, at just the age of 30. He soon became one of the foremost experts on world energy policy, and his work caught the attention of the Roosevelt administration, which brought the young Marshall on to help formulate U.S. petroleum policy before and during World War II. In 1952, he co-founded Great Northern Oil, which he later sold to the notorious Koch family in exchange for a large stake in Koch Industries. And everyone has heard of the Koch brothers. Yes. They are massive billionaires and contributors to and this conservative was, causes. Th this was at the time their father. So the Koch brothers, who everybody knows about now, this was their father's company. J. Howard Marshall, about the same age as their father would have been. And so he bought, he sold Standard Oil and uh, in exchange attain this really large stake in Coke Industries, which uh, at the time in 1991, when he meets Vicky, is worth at least $10 billion and likely a lot more. It's one of the pri one of the largest American privately owned companies. It's not publicly traded. So you don't have as much insight into the finances as you do from a publicly traded company. So it's a little hard to know how much it was exactly worth, but at least 10 and maybe up to $40 billion. That was the value of Coke Industries at the time. And he gets a substantial stake in it. At the strip club that day, Howard asked Vicky for a lap dance, after which the two chatted for a while until the smitten Marshall invited her to lunch the following day in his hotel room. He was at this point living in a hotel. She went, but soon said she had to leave to get ready for her shift. Instead, Marshall handed her an envelope full of $100 bills and told her, you don't have to ever go back to work. For the next three years, Marshall lavished Smith with millions of dollars worth of jewelry, houses, and cars, including a Rolls Royce valued at $400,000, and provided her with full access to his credit cards to support her lavish spending habits. She could literally have anything she wanted, and in fact, she got everything she wanted. They went to events together and held hands. She sat on his lap in public, and they would kiss in front of photographers. Smith later admitted she was never physically attracted to Marshall, but there was an undeniable tenderness that showed in every public interaction between the couple. It was one of the things that threw people for a loop at the time. Everybody was so critical of her, as we'll talk about. But when you saw the two of them together, she wasn't that good of an actress. There was a That's real right. tenderness <clears throat> between these two, a real affection for one another, and as we'll hear in a second, it wasn't physical. She didn't want to have sex with him. I think they did, although it's it's hard to know for sure. But there was a real emotional tenderness between them that shined through. You can imagine why. I mean, he was a white knight in her life who, who swooped in and pulled her from abject poverty and gave her a life she could have never imagined. So that will come with real affection. Yeah, she talks about this. Actually, let's hear the clip. At 2002, she's talking about the genuine love that existed between them. And she makes this exact point you just did. Would you say you loved him? I loved him very much. No, without being in love, right? I mean, you weren't yeah. physically. I, mean, I wasn't physically, oh my God, you hot, hot body, mm -hmm. you know, like that. It was just, I loved him for so much what he has he did for me and my son. I mean, I just loved him. so. I've never had love like that before. I've, no one has ever loved me and done things for me and respected me and didn't care about what people said about me. I mean, he truly loved me and I loved him for it. He was kind. He was very, very kind to me. The, the, you gotta understand the, the circumstances in which she grew up. Her father was never around. When he later comes back into her life, this is after this interview, but just to give a little context. He's a destructive she, and abusive Sure, she says that she's life. now in her late 20s when she first meets him, he never, she'd never met him before. He comes back, she finds out who he is, she invites him to come out to LA, she's now rich and famous, she brings him to LA, and he comes out and he hits on her, he tries to have sex with his daughter. Yeah. That's who this person is, that was her father, and her mother 
did her best by all accounts. She tried to put food on the table by all accounts, but she was a destructive force herself, a very damaged woman in her own right. And all of a sudden she is safe and she has a kid at 17, this deadbeat husband who, you know, there's some stories about what happened between them that were not good. And all of a sudden this guy comes along and saves her. And yes, is it gold digging? Maybe. Yeah, I think that I think that gives it short shrift, though, because what you're, what you're saying is he really entered her life, J. Howard Marshall, as a protector and provider, which she had never had and, yes. and couldn't possibly imagine her life being worthy of having someone like that in it. Now, she says and she was honest in these interviews where she said, of course, I'm not physically attracted because J. Howard Marshall was a little gnome at, of at a that man. Point, at that point, he was very he was frail. wheelchair bound and extremely frail. His teeth were bad. His hair was bad. His skin was bad. He was he was dying. Yes. And, but people thought of her as a height of gold yes. digging. And yes. that, that sounds so craven and manipulative. And I think it was actually more nuanced than that. Yes, she loved the gifts and the, yes. the lavish and, spending. But for the gifts, she wouldn't have been with him. I think that's clear to say, too. Yes. So make whatever judgments you want. But you can also have genuine, true feelings Both alongside true at the same time. Right. So as important as the money and gifts were to Vicki Smith, as she was known back then, he also gave her a career. With his substantial assistance, Smith, who had tried her hand at modeling as a teenager and as, as we mentioned earlier, was turned away from some strip clubs for her buxom figure, she was able to land the Playboy magazine centerfold in March of 1992 and won the title of 1993 Playmate of the Year. And this is back when those titles were really meaningful. Playboy mattered back then. Playboy it's really mattered. It's hard to convey now. to people. Right. But, you know, Anna Nicole Smith was a Playmate centerfold. Jenny McCarthy, people who went on to have real careers, uh, were in Playboy. She modeled herself on Marilyn Monroe. I mean, the, the, the comparisons were obvious. She had the looks and the curves. And she was magnificent on this Playboy cover. Jason, I never told you, but I actually wrote my college essay and mentioned Anna Nicole Smith. She was just such a pop culture figure. Yeah. It wasn't tawdry or anything. It was just she was of such a moment of old Hollywood that she really resonated with a lot of people. Um, in, in the photo, she's sort of looking back over her right shoulder at the camera with that sort of seductiveness that Marilyn Monroe once mastered. And GQ magazine actually ranked the photo among the most iconic in Playboy history, along with the famous pictures of Marilyn Monroe, Bo Derek, and Pamela Anderson. After the first Playboy shoot, Paul Marciano, the co-founder of Guess, the famous jeans company, called Playboy to find out all he could about this phenomenal beauty. She really took the world by storm. And it was Marciano who convinced Vicky to change her name to Anna Nicole. Didn't think that was sort of a, a compelling enough name. So he said, you should go by Anna Nicole. And he hired her to replace supermodel Claudia Schiffer as Guess's premier model. Now, Claudia Schiffer is a towering figure in her own right. Yep. And he said, you know, that's the willowy, tall supermodel. I want curves. Paul Marciano is, is credited widely so. Paul Marciano is not a great dude. Let's get that out. But he's credited with seeing the change in the ideal American model from the tall, wispy, rail thin to more buxom. And which, look where we are now. And, and look where we, we He got. saw the future of Kim Kardashian right. being the ideal of beauty with all of yeah. her curves and the sort of heroin chic of the early 90s has gone a little yeah. bit out of favor. Anna Nicole Smith has given a lot. Anna Nicole Smith, by the way, is nearly six foot tall. So she is, Massive. she has that height that, that models have, that traditional models have, but she had added a buxomness to her that we hadn't seen since the 50s with Marilyn Monroe. And he saw that that's where things were going. I mean, I don't know if you give him credit for that or whatever. But that's some he, sort of a but, crystal ball right, about where right. uh, tastes were going. Um, to Marciano, Smith bore a striking resemblance to bombshell Jane Mansfield. She's the mother of Mariska Hargitay. Uh, and he showcased her in several black and white Mansfield-inspired photo sessions. Just for context, Jane Mansfield was the other Marilyn of her day. Right. She was a blonde bombshell with uh, you know big breasts 
She's most famously known for a picture with Sophia Loren, where Sophia Loren is sort of scowling at her chest. Yes. So if you've ever seen that, Google that. The guest campaign single-handedly, though, made Anna Nicole Smith into one of the biggest fashion models in the world. And she began showing up on magazines, billboards across North America and, and Europe. It really was a meteoric rise in the public consciousness. And despite the fact that she was now spending most of her time in Los Angeles, and for the moment, she was more than capable of financial independence, she remained committed to J. Howard Marshall. Here's a recording, just for a tidbit into this, a recording of a phone call with the 89-year-old Marshall back in 1994. Hello, Chris. Hi, honey. I'm doing okay. I miss you, though. You miss me? How much? I love you. Later that year, Smith gave in to Marshall's persistent request to marry him, and a few months later, both dressed in white, the couple wed at a small ceremony at the White Dove Chapel in Houston. According to New York Magazine, Marshall, quote, sat crying in his wheelchair throughout the ceremony. Tears of happiness, before yeah. anybody <laughs> just rushes to judgment. Tears of happiness. But 14 months later, J. Howard Marshall passed away at age 90, and the real trouble started for Anna Nicole Smith. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. From the beginning of her relationship with Marshall, the media and the public treated her as an opportunistic gold digger. We've talked about this. This was an opinion that became much more entrenched when she challenged Marshall's will, which made no provision for Anna. She claimed that J. Howard Marshall had orally promised to give her one half of his entire state upon his death, which would have been valued at roughly $800 million. She publicly accused his son, Pierce Marshall, of manipulating his father's illnesses to screw Anna over. Pierce responded that if anyone was guilty of manipulation of his elderly father, it was clearly Anna. You really see this from both sides. You yeah. really look, I lived through this because one of the most famous bankruptcy cases is yeah. related to the probate case of Anna Nicole Smith. This was really nasty. I, I mean, this was as uh, you know stereotypical and archetypal of a dispute as you could see. These were the sons who weren't as uh, never lived up to their father's expectations necessarily, really just fighting over who carried the legacy, who would uh, be suitable to lead an oil company and lead a, a business in yep. the wake of their father's death. And they thought this tawdry strip club, yep. nobody has no business in our family. And it got nasty. Let, 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 I want to set this up for a second. Jay Howard Marshall, by all accounts, was a really bad dad. Yeah. Really domineering, really difficult, not around very often. And his kids lived with him. He lived to be a very old man. So they lived with him for 50, 60, 65 years. 
dealing with their tyrannical father who, much like succession, sort of kept passing them up for promotion, denying them what they thought was theirs. And Nicole Smith comes along at the very last moment of his life, this blonde bombshell. She's with him for three years they date, and then they're they're married for 14 months, but she wasn't around for most of the dating. She was in L.A., whatever. And she comes around, and and, and then he dies. And she, without any evidence to support it, says, he promised to give me half of, of everything. And I had to put up with him. I had to deal with him. I'm the one that took care of him for the last years of his life. And they're like, you're the one that took care of him. You're the one that had to deal with him. We spent our entire lives dealing with this guy that they thought was pretty monstrous. Right. And so I I see it from both sides. She also, her entire livelihood, he had said to her many, many times on camera, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And, and, And on tape, and she has all those recordings, and that's why I think she was recording all those phone calls saying, I'm going to take care of you. And she said, look, he dies, and I still want to be taken care of. And you're saying to me, you get zero. That's right. They they drew a hard line. There's very famous clips because the lawyer hired by Pierce Marshall is a guy named Rusty Harden. He's one of the most famous bulldog attorneys you can have. Famous Texas dude. Very Texan. The whole thing, yep. And there's these clips of Anna Nicole. To your point, she was never a good actress. She appeared in movies and, and had somewhat yeah. of a career, but she wasn't a great actress, so she's on the stand and Rusty Harden is going after her. And at one point she said, screw you, Rusty, yep. when he's accusing her of being a gold digger, making snide remarks. And he's a very talented lawyer. This became very popular. The, the, the case dragged on for 16 years. I mean, it, it was from 1995 through its final conclusion in 2011 when Anna's claims were fully and finally dismissed by the United States Supreme Court. I mean, this case went to the U.S. Supreme yeah. Court because there was so much money at stake in the estate that the lawyers could keep fighting and fighting. Neither she nor her heirs ever received a single penny from the billionaire's estate. It all went to his kids. All of it went Whatever to we think Pierce. About it, it went to Pierce, although he had both he, by the time of the final resolution in 2011, both Pierce and Anna Nicole Smith had both passed away. It yeah. was their estates at that point fighting for the entitlement to, to this money. Nasty, sad business. Yeah. The death of J. Howard Marshall and the resulting legal battles undid Anna. Her income from modeling and acting couldn't keep up with the legal bills or her outlandish spending that she developed when she was with Marshall. And without her benefactor, she was quickly out of money. She would ultimately twice declare bankruptcy. Not helping matters was her descent into hardcore drug addiction, both to illegal narcotics such as cocaine, as well as prescribed medications, including Valium and a variety of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. She was hospitalized for overdoses at least three times in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s, probably far more than three. Into this quagmire emerges a guy by the name of Howard K. Stern, not to be confused with the shock jock. He's a low-level attorney whose firm had once represented Anna with respect to her modeling career and who now insinuated himself into Anna's probate case against the Marshall estate. In time, Stern became Anna's business manager, forming a talent agency called Hot Smoochy Lips that represented only Anna, and her romantic companion. Between 2002 and 2004, Anna had a reality show on E! called The Anna Nicole Show, on which Stern was featured, and the world watched the relationship unfold in real time. I remember this theme song. She's so outrageous. Yes. It was the dawn of this type of reality television. The Anna Nicole Smith show was a ratings sensation in the early days of 
you know, train wreck reality shows. Basically, this it is came where on you the watch... heels of the Osbournes, right? And that was that wasn't quite so train wrecky because they were a nuclear family who right. loved each other. That was more they're functional, even though he's Ozzy Osbourne and he's wacky and crazy. Yes. But now we get into the real train wreck stuff with Anna Nicole. She was, you know, it featured her as a train wreck. Oh, she was absolutely falling apart. It helped her land a lucrative endorsement deal for the diet drug Trim Spa, and this was a huge development in Anna's life. Finally, she's earning money again. And, you know, she lost quite a bit of weight. And that was a huge thing because towards this middle part of her of her life after J. Howard Marshall, she put on a tremendous amount of weight. I mean, by her own admission, it became sort of a carnivalesque feature of red carpets and things like that. Times were a little different. Howard Stern, the shock jock, not not the romantic partner, went after her a lot. He said that she must be over 300 pounds. Called her a pig. Nasty stuff. Had had her on. She was kind of so desperate for fame and relevance that she would go on and just be just you know taken to task by this guy for her weight it was really it's really hard to watch right and so trim spa though really did help her lose weight although it obviously created other troubling aspects of her life she was earning money and you know in conjunction with her burgeoning relationship with howard k stern there was a real opportunity to get her life together and back on track Unfortunately, the opposite happened. The drug abuse only increased and scores of paparazzi videos from the time showed a drug addled, stumbling, slurring Smith struggling to remain upright. Uh, This all culminated in her famous introduction of Kanye West at the 2004 Billboard Music Awards. I was honored to be on our next performer's new video. And if I ever record an album, I want this guy to produce my, make me beautiful duets. God, it's hard to listen to that. It's hard to listen to. I remember in real time. I mean, this was back when those award shows were big viewing events. And so we saw this and it was just very uncomfortable to watch and awkward. Anna's addictive tendencies were not just limited to substances, though. A a former friend who was interviewed for a 2023 documentary about Smith said she had an insatiable sexual appetite that was not restrained by her partner's genders, marital statuses, or the availability of contraception. And when Smith became pregnant in early 2006, she did not know who the father was, uh, although she led Stern, Howard K. Stern, to believe incorrectly, as it turned out, that the child was his. The child, a girl named Danny Lynn, was born on September 7th, 2010 in the Bahamas. She was born completely healthy, thanks entirely to Smith's determined effort to remain largely drug free throughout the pregnancy. So three days later, after Danny Lynn is born, tragedy struck when Smith's 20-year-old son, this is the son that she had had had, after she had dropped out of high school when she was 17 years old, Smith's 20-year-old son died of a drug overdose while in his mother's hospital room in the Bahamas where he'd come to visit his new sister. Smith was devastated and immediately relapsed, and she went on a bender that, for all intents and purposes, continued unabated until she passed away in the Hard Rock Hotel in Seminole, Florida, five months later. This truly was the the critical event of the end of her life. Yeah. I mean, d- her son, Daniel, who was who she had at the age of 17, was really a link to her past and a close sort of friendship almost between them because of the proximity of their age. Yes. I mean, she was young when she had him. So he was, was also a- on the Anna Nicole show. He was yeah. a pr- presence there. He lived with her almost his entire life. And, you know, she was messed up, but she loved this kid dearly. And then he flies to the Bahamas and he overdoses on drugs in front of her 
in the hospital room While she's where cradling she's her cradling her brand new baby. It's an unimaginable tragedy, and it just sends her back down the road of drug use, and it's 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 incredibly sad. I mean, what the counterfactual here is pretty easy to to come to, right? If if I think if Daniel doesn't die in that hospital room, remember she had been sober for a while. We don't know if she was perfect while she was pregnant with Daniel Lynn. But she was she had cut down the drug use dramatically in an effort to keep her baby healthy, which is a great sign that she was sure. able to overcome it. She who knows what kind of sobriety she might she might have had from that point forward. She was making money again. She was doing okay. And all of a sudden he dies in front of her and she just loses it. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's fascinating to think about the alternative uh, of her life if Daniel hadn't passed away, because you're right. She seemed to sort of be able to harness her addictions enough to have a healthy child. I yep. mean, Danny, Danny Lynn is alive in the spitting image, by the way, of Anna Nicole Smith. Yep. If you Google images of her, she looks just like her yep. mother. It's 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 startling. Um, and I really think even though she was at the dawn of this sort of train wreck reality television she might have had a happy ending. I mean, and there, there's a possibility that she would have always relapsed into these stages. She was a very outlandish personality, but the we, messiness, we, yeah. there was a tenderness, there was a sensitivity to her that I think in in the modern era might have straightened out. Yeah, I mean, when she died, there were a lot of celebrities who were interviewed and they all said the same thing, which is, I never met her, but she was a really sweet person. Yeah. And I think it's the saddest thing that she passed away the way that she did. And yeah. it, it really is. So two years after Anna dies, Howard K. Stern, Dr. Kapoor, and Dr. Orosevich were all formally charged with conspiring to prescribe, administer, and dispense controlled substances to an addict. In total, 44 prescription medications were found in Smith's hotel room when she died, almost all of them prescribed by Orosevich and Kapoor. On October 28, 2010, a jury found Stern and Orosevich guilty, but acquitted Kapoor. However, L.A. Superior Court Judge Robert Perry later dismissed Stern's convictions and reduced Arosevich's charge to a misdemeanor, finding there simply wasn't sufficient evidence to support their felony convictions. Along with Stern, two other men came forward claiming they were Danny Lynn's father. First, socialite Frederick Prince von Anhalt, who happened to be married to Zsa Zsa Gabor, who said he was the father, and a celebrity photographer named Larry Burkhead, who Anna was known from time to time to see for a couple of years. A Bahamian court ordered all parties to submit to DNA tests, and Burkhead was determined to be the father. Danny Lynn inherited about $3 million from her mother when she died. She's now 16, and as you said, the spitting image of her mother. She lives a quiet, normal life with her dad. <laughs> 